0: So today's reading is from Romans chapter 8, from verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified,
1: I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted after that Dubai run this morning, eh? Who was with me? Okay, put up your hand if you ran for a run. I didn't quite run, but I I ran in my mind. And uh, I was exhausted in my mind and very thankful. Oh, we've got some runners here in the front. And one day, one day before I leave Dubai, I will do that run. In the body, not just in the spirit. Now you're noticing I've got a oh, welcome to those who are online, those in the uh, family, over, family room and in the Overflow. Great to have you with us. As those of who are in this hall right now, if you're here for the first time, a warm welcome. My name is Ray. I'm one of the pastors here. What a joy it is to be a pastor of this wonderful church. Now you're probably wondering, a jacket, Raymond? Well, I'm wearing a jacket today because someone said to me, really, do you actually own anything other than a waistcoat, Ray? I said, yes, I do, and I'm going to prove it this Sunday. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, it's just wonderful to be together. And whether we're online, in the Overflow room, uh, whether we're in the family room or in this room right now, wherever we are, Lord, gathered around your word to praise your name, to, uh, to hear what you have to say to us. And wherever we are, Lord, in our journey, Lord, we know this is your word for the moment, right here, right now. So give us soft hearts, we pray, in Jesus' precious name. Amen i'm very mindful that i'm going to touch on the theme of suffering, and it's only one piece of a much bigger piece uh, puzzle as it were of scripture on suffering so always remember i 'm speaking to one particular truth in it, but i'm also very mindful too that um, uh, I know as I look out and as I ponder those who are online that uh, we we know the data now one in every four. Women, one in every six men have been sexually abused, and the grief of that runs deep and long, and the scar tissue never leaves you. This side of glory, and there, there's a real reality that that I do, don't want to be misheard as trivialising. Um, it is, I, I know that many people who battle with addictions, those who are in jail, are uh, there. You can track back what broke them was some, some sexual abuse that they were a victim of and I want to say wherever you are in that journey and if you're stuck please come and see one of our counsellors because it's one of those areas that we need to walk alongside others and have the grace of God minister to us which made me really surprised when a woman once came up to me and she said Ray uh, I was sexually abused in my younger days and she said I used to see myself as a victim which she was and she said, then I saw myself as a survivor. I thought, oh, that's great. And then she said, but you know what? Now I see myself as more than a conqueror. Amen. Wow. I just, I was taken aback. And I thought, that's it. I was a victim. I'm not just a survivor. I am more than a conqueror. In a sense, that's the theme of today's passage. Now you're thinking, Ray, more than a conqueror? I'm struggling to get a job and find a girlfriend. What are you talking about, more than a conqueror? (laughs) But you know, Romans 8.37, that is the language of scriptures. Not just you know generals like Napoleon, whose story is being told in the cinemas. Romans 8.37, no, in all these things, and he's actually listing a whole lot of suffering. In all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. Why? Because where it counts, we in Christ conquer because... God will have his way in all things. And so we go to probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible, Romans 8:28. And we know, and it's a promise. And we know that in what? All things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purposes. Now, warning Mm-mm-mm-mm. This is the most misapplied verse in the Bible and misunderstood verse in the Bible, so let 's tune in a little bit further it 's certainly the most misapplied verse. Um, please do not quote this verse to someone who 's just lost a loved one. i know I know you, you know you, your husband 's died, but you know God works in all things you 'll be right. Uh, I say this, but i 'm a hypocrite because last week I was uh, talking to uh, one of our staff members, Susan, and her and her husband uh, uh, bought a car and uh, they drove it out of the showroom and into the basement of their apartment Uh, and then when uh, woke up the next morning, and sorry, the photo, I think we've got a photo coming on, that's her brother, not her husband, and um, I got in trouble last week, everyone got confused. Anyway, so it's great, And and then they woke up the next morning to discover that the car was in water, drowning in water after that big storm that we had. And I started saying to her, well, you know, Romans eight twenty eight, God works. And, and I thought to myself, shut up, Ray. <laughs> weep with those who weep is what we do. But it's also a most misunderstood verse in the Bible. Because God is working in all things. You know what that means. That's got to include the pain of life, not just the pleasures of life the answered prayer, the many answered prayers, but also the prayers that aren't answered in the way we would like them to be answered. This is not a promise for Disneyland Christianity. Now the temptation when suffering comes is that you will be tempted to think God is not in control or he's not good. And both of those things are a lie. God is personally at work in every situation in life nothing happens outside his will. Lamentations 3 says it. Who can speak and have it happen unless the Lord has decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the most high that both calamities and good things happen? Whoa. Now God doesn't stand behind every event in exactly the same way. He is never the author of evil and sin, but he is working in all things. But the real problem of this verse the one that gets misunderstood is, what exactly is the good that God is promising? And this is where the verse gets misunderstood. And you think, well, what is the good? Well, always read words in their context. So you go to the next verse and it'll tell you what the good is. Romans eight twenty nine, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Ah, so the good there is what? To be conformed, to be shaped, to be more like Jesus. That's the good that God has in mind. It's not if I miss out on that job, I'm necessarily going to get a better job. Maybe yes, maybe no. No, God's stubborn commitment in your life is to have every event shape you to be more like Jesus. In the pain and the pleasure. That's the promise. That's the highest good. God is the great recycler. He turns the pain of this world into the fruit of the Spirit, like patience and self-control. He turns the sins of people even into the praise of God. There is no force field protecting us from the bruises of life. You know that from the moment you're born. But God has, and we don't know why suffering is unevenly distributed. That's a mystery. But God has, in his loving father role, entrusted a quota of suffering to each and every one of us with that explicit purpose to shape us to be more like Jesus. I'm not saying this is the only reason for every event in your life. But what I'm saying is, this is the reason for every event in your life. Malcolm Muggeridge, a former atheist journalist, said this: "Everything of value I've ever learned in life has come through suffering." Now I think he's exaggerating a bit, because you know I have tasted of the goodness of God in answered prayer, and I've learned so many things there. But boy, you know, you think about the shaping of your character. I bet you every key lesson in your life generally has come through suffering. It certainly has for me. Now, it doesn't happen without a quota of tears. It doesn't happen automatically. But if we let suffering do the work God has for it to do, it will make us better instead of bitter. And if perhaps you're bitter right now, and I've just been reading Ruth about her mother-in-law Naomi and how she was unapologetically described as bitter because she kind of got stuck in the suffering. And couldn't see beyond it now I've had a quota of suffering not like some of you certainly not like Johnny Erickson Tada. Uh, she she's lived more than half a century in a wheelchair from a diving accident where she broke her neck this is what she says it's an extended quote but it's so good I'm gonna read it she said this I'm the lady with the broken neck and at first, I had the hardest time trusting God with romans eight twenty eight i couldn't imagine that the good God wanted to do in and with my life would ever ever outweigh the grief, the tears, the disappointment of losing use of my arms and my legs. It was unthinkable and I began to hold as I began to hold fast to romans eight twenty eight I prayed, oh, Jesus, this is your promise, not mine. You said you can do this. I'm going to take you at your word. I'm, I'm going to stop bad-mouthing my diving accident as though it were the worst thing that ever happened. I'm going to stop playing the victim, drawing on people's sympathies. I'm going to stop blaming you for even allowing my accident. Okay, no more complaining, God. Frankly, I I had to finally believe that God's idea of good, brackets, you know, using my disability to make me more like Jesus, friend, I had to believe that that was more desirous than walking. I had to desire the life of Christ in me more than having use of my hands. Could I do it? Could I believe it? And what did she say? I decided, yes. I decided yes. Not just a victim. I'm not even just a survivor. I'm more than a conqueror. Now, Johnny can say that I think because she knows God's big story. Because our little story is always wrapped up in God's big story. And here are five big words that describe God's story on a big canvas. Romans 30. So the next verse. And those he, God, predestined, that is chose, he also called. Those he called, he also justified, forgave. Those he justified, he also glorified. This is the one history lesson you've got to get right. Before it's about me, it's about he. He foreknew, that is, he set his affections upon me and you before time began. He predestined, that is, he chose. He says, you'll be coming home with me on the last day, way back before time began. He called me that moment you came to him is because he called you he justified you treated just as if you never sinned, and he glorified you so certain of it he can speak of your place in heaven as though it's already happened this is god's story from eternity to eternity from everlasting to everlasting from grace to grace it's a story of absolute assurance there's no fallout those he chose before time began of those whom he will glorify at the end of the age This is a love we don't deserve. This is a love we can't lose. And into this story is Joni's story and your story and mine. In this great plan of God, we're on a road to glory and nothing is going to stop God from making that happen. Because God not only wants to save us, he wants to shape us to be more like Jesus, his son. That's the highest good for him. Now I've got a shocking quote here for you. I almost find it, to be honest, I almost wasn't going to give it to you. But I thought, I think they're ready for it. In 1964, Helen Rosevere, who was working in the Congo as a doctor, caught up in the Simba rebellion. Over 100,000 people were killed and or raped during that. She was one of those who were raped. Years later. And I, and I do say that years later. Helen, she, Helen said, it's as though God was saying to me, Helen, and here's the quote, can you still trust me to entrust this experience to you? Helen, can you thank me for trusting you with this quota of suffering? Whoa. I can't even believe she said that, given what happened to her but I'm only quoting her words. But I think she's actually taking to heart Romans 8.28 in the worst of situations. Now, it doesn't stop what those men did from being absolutely evil and that they definitely need to be punished severely. But you know what it means? When you get to say what she said, you know what it means? It means that their sin is not going to win that their abuse of her is not going to be the end of the story. It's not going to be the end of her story. That she is not just a, vi- a victim. She was, but she's not just a victim. She's not even a survivor. She is more than a conqueror through Christ who loved her. Yeah, we may not get the permit for the third site. We may not get the healing we ask for. We may end up flying on a plane back home to our home country because we lost the job or didn't get the job. But God is saying, my precious child, can you trust me to entrust this disappointment, this suffering to you? Can you even thank me for trusting you with this, this quota of suffering? That's why we're more than conquerors. And you don't get to that point overnight. But that's the journey that we're heading for. Amen? Because we're more than conquerors. Now, now, Paul knows the question you want to ask. Verse 31, here's the question. What then shall we say in response to this? <laughs> well, it depends where you are in the journey. Some of us are stuck as victims, and, and that's where we're at. And we want to say it's not fair. Well, there's a place to be there. And others have gone to the point where not even just a survivor, you're more than a conqueror. You're saying, thank you, Jesus, for entrusting this suffering to me. I am not going to let it win. I am going to give God the glory. And really, the rest of Romans 8, you know what it wants to do? Because this part of Romans 8, we're now on top of Mount Everest when it comes to Bible verses. Because God not only wants to save you, he wants you to know that you are saved. He is your father. You are his child. And nothing grieves him more to know that you don't understand how much he loves you, even when suffering comes. And so what he does, and it's like God is driving this, I was going to say nail, but it, it's, that's a negative image. He just wants to so overwhelm you with love that he, he's got five questions that, that are unanswerable. Question number one. Oh, by the way, questions that dare anyone to deny your place in his loving plan. Question number one, verse 31. Let's say this together. This is a cracker of a verse, isn't it? If God is for us, who can be against us? You feel like saying nobody, but I want to say everybody and so what? (laughs) So what if the whole world is against you? With God on our side, we will ultimately win every time. And when we doubt, and we will doubt, because that's the normal Christian life, you go back to the cross. Question 2, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He who did not spare his own son, God did what he would not allow Abraham to do give up his son and if God has done the hardest thing and what's the hardest thing God has ever had to do to give you his son while you were his enemy and I was his enemy that's the hardest thing and he's saying if God has given to you his son while you his enemy will he not also along with him graciously give you everything else he promised of course he will your adoption, your forgiveness, your resurrected body, your place in the new creation, of course he will. He didn't go to all the effort of going to the cross for you to miss out at the end. But maybe you think, oh, I'm disqualified. I've disqualified myself, Ray. Sin still lurking, guilt still condemning, Satan still accusing. So, question three, verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. You know, Romans, the book of Romans began in a courtroom scene where God had the whole world, Jews and Gentiles, the whole nations gathered together in the courtroom. And he basically said to a lot of us, shut up, you're all guilty. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what I love is, is that God doesn't leave us in the courtroom. He not only declares us not guilty, he adopts us into his family where we got to call the judge of the earth dad our guilty charges have been dropped In Romans 8 1 it tells us we're no longer in the courtroom anymore we're not in jail look what it says why don't you say it with me therefore there is now what there is now what Oh, I can't hear that. There is now what? No condemnation. Easy to say, but do you believe that? Yes. yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, indeed. No condemnation. The burden is lifted. The pressure is off. I saw Napoleon yesterday. And, uh, well, it opens with a guillotine scene of Marie Antoinette. And like, whoa, too much information there. But the blade of the guillotine of God's judgment is gone it's gone and what i love is there is now no condemnation i know exactly what god thinks of me and he is for me not against me he's for you not against you that the god who has personally chosen you has chosen you to forgive you who has the right to condemn you that's the question satan doesn't have that right i mean don't let satan win a battle when he's already lost the war at the cross on that first Good Friday, he was stripped of his weapons. He was disarmed. He was humiliated at the cross. Satan may know your past, but you know his future. Satan you, Satan may know your past sins, but you know his future. While you're heading for heaven, he's heading for hell. You may need to remind him of that occasionally. Satan can't condemn you on the last day don't let him condemn you today don't let him do that he has no right to do that you're a child of god and by the way non-christians actually they don't have a right to condemn you on the last day either they may say i thought you're supposed to be a christian and they've got a point (laughs) you know when they kind of describe our sins and we do sin, and we're not, our walk and talk doesn't always match. And it always, and it, it would, and it should always grieve us because it always grieves the Spirit of God. And we have lots of regrets. But my friends, we do not have a spirit of slavery to punishment to sin. We have a spirit of sonship that cries out, Abba, Father. In Christ, you've heard me say this before, in Christ, you can't make God you think, is that right yeah when we talk about Jesus dying for your sins that's what we're talking about God Jesus had taken upon himself God's wrath the cup is now empty there's no ang- there's no anger left to pour out on you why because it was poured out on his son at the cross once and for all wow how good is this? Aren't you glad you turned up for church today? And by the way, you're not entitled to condemn you either. Who made you judge? How dare we condemn ourselves when God has chosen to forgive us? We need to give ourselves a good talking to you, don't we? Every morning you need to look in the mirror and say, there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That'll get you up in the morning. Still not satisfied? You see how he's speaking to the doubt and the self-condemning accusations in your heart? He just, he won't let up. Question four, verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who's the only one who has the right to condemn you? That'll be the judge of all the earth. Who is the judge of all the earth? That's Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying, do you think Jesus is now going to condemn you after he went to that cross and took those nails and the spear and the slandering for you? Do you think he's going to condemn you now that he's risen from the dead for your forgiveness? Do you think he's going to condemn you now that he's seated at the right hand of the Father? And what do you think Jesus is doing at the right hand of the Father? Slandering you? Accusing you? Have you ever wondered the kind of conversation that's going on between Jesus at the right hand of the Father speaking to the Father about you? I think, I've got a feeling some of you are thinking the conversation goes like this Oh, Father, Miriam, she's such a pathetic Christian. She still doesn't read her Bible regularly and say her prayers. And then she complains that I feel far away from her. Oh, forget her. What do you think Jesus is saying to the Father about you? You guys, what do you think Jesus is saying? Oh, poor Lord, ditch him. He's useless. He's still struggling with porn after nine years. No, 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 no. Every moment of every day in the midst of every sin, Jesus is interceding for you, not against you. He's not pleading your innocence he's not making cheap excuses that's what the world does oh no he's presenting his blood-bought forgiveness and applying it to every one of your sins what kept jesus at the cross it was it was it wasn't the nails it was his love and what keeps jesus at the right hand interceding for you it's his love and now paul wants to say you understand there's absolutely nothing that's going to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You get that? Do you get that? Yes. I mean, you've got to fight for these truths. You can't just sit there, Pat. You've got to embrace them. You've got to take them with both hands. And but what Paul does then is he scoops up every possible situation that could give the impression especially when you think about the suffering experiences, every kind of experience of suffering that might give the impression falsely that Jesus doesn't love you. Question 5, verse 5, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or unemployment or... Oh, it's not in there. As it is written... For your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Where do we get the idea that coming to Jesus means no suffering? Where do we get the idea that if God loves me, I'm not going to experience any pain? I tell you, from, from preachers who shouldn't be preaching that. That's why when we marry people, it's always for better and? For, for richer and? In, in Well, in it's reverse, isn't it? In sickness and in health. Because God, in his strange, mysterious ways, is using all of it. Which, by the way, doesn't mean he doesn't answer prayer. Of course he does. He does more than we can ever ask or imagine. But the reality is suffering is still there. And your suffering is not about God not loving you. I was a victim. I'm not just a survivor. I'm more than a conqueror. If you don't believe me, let's go back to Johnny Ericsson Tata. You know, she, I just thought, I, last week, it dawned on me. She has been in a wheelchair for as long as this, as the UAE has been a country. We celebrate next week, what, 53 years as a nation. She's been in a wheelchair that long. And this is her reflection after 52 years. Please turn to the screen.
2: And I am shaking my head wondering, how did I get here? 52 years in a wheelchair is a a long time. I mean, even Jesus thinks so. In John chapter 5, the Lord was at the pool of Bethesda, remember that? And he stopped by a man on a straw mat who had been paralyzed for 38 years. And it says, quote, When Jesus learned he had been in this condition for a long time. That's what it says in verse 6. And when I read those words, a long time, I mean, tears filled my eyes. Because man, if Jesus thinks that 38 years of paralysis is a long time, what's he think of 52 years? Yeah, I think he probably says it's a long time. And so do I. And yes, every day I'm wasting away. Uh, you've heard about the recurring cancer and those new problems with my lungs and pain. and. Our bodies are just fragile. But I am still on the growing side, the strong side. Because like the Bible says, I'm growing in two directions at the same time. Outwardly, I'm wasting away. But inwardly, man, I'm being renewed day by day. My body may be unraveling, but my spirit, my, my, my measure of faith and my assurance of salvation, my sensitivity to sin, my confidence in the Word of God, my hope of heaven, compassion for others with disabilities, my love of Jesus, everything about my spirit is growing. Sure, I'm weaker physically, but I grow stronger spiritually. Deep great trials bring with them deep grace from God, all of which enlarges our soul's capacity for Jesus.
1: There's a part of me that's very jealous. Obviously, no one wishes that on their enemy to be a quadriplegic. But to see the beautiful work God has done in her life that has resulted to the glory of God for all eternity, and to know that she will be enjoying and be glorified as part of the fact that she got to glorify God for at least 50, now three years, because now 53 years since she's been in a wheelchair. Oh, yeah. It's not so much I'm feeling sorry for her, as I'm feeling a little bit jealous of what God she has allowed God to do in her life. I don't know. That is not a victim. That is not even a survivor. What you saw then on the screen was more than a conqueror. And I want that. I want that for you. I want that for myself. And that's how Paul ends. Listen to the confidence in which the Apostle Paul speaks for himself that he wants for you. Verse 37. No, no, in all these things, good and bad, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Finish the sentence be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus neither death nor life die young die old either way we die in Christ and his loving arms are wrapped around us neither angels nor demons I tell you hell will freeze over before Satan will be allowed to level one accusation against you neither the present nor the future in Christ our future holds no surprises and our present holds no fears nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, So my friends, God is saying to you this morning, be convinced. I want you to be convinced that I not only saved you, I want you to know that you're saved. I wonder if you can say with Johnny those three sentences. I know she didn't quite say them this way, but... I'm going back to how I started. You know, I was a victim. I'm not just a survivor. I'm more than a conqueror. I know we're all at different points. That's okay. Life is about being on a trajectory. (laughs) But I wonder, I wonder if you could say, as though it were a prayer and a declaration with me. Together, I was a victim. I am not just a survivor. I am more than a conqueror. May this be true for all of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to say, help us to know you are working in all things in our lives. In every moment, in every conversation, in every experience. And we know, Lord, that does include the pain and not just the pleasure. And we also know, Lord, you're not only in control, but you're actually driven by this commitment to do us good. But Lord, we pray, help us to believe. We know it is a good thing to be relieved of suffering. And we know you're a God who can answer the prayers of your people and relieve that suffering. But we also know, Lord, that there is a greater good. That it's when suffering is allowed to do its work in our life and we become more like Jesus. And so we want to praise you, Father, that you not only want to save us, you want us to know that we're saved love chosen adopted and you not only want to save us but you want us to be shaped to be more like jesus today lord there are those who have not yet said yes to you and today want to say yes to you for the very first time they may be watching online they may be in the overflow in the family room they may be here in this hall now father help them lord to know how much you love them through Christ Jesus. Help them to know, help us all to know that nothing and no one can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' powerful, loving name. And all the saints said, amen, amen.